Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. Ooh, mountains. We can walk it out and ooh, mountains. Silence is a quiet, and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe. And I know you feel like dying, but I promise we would take the world to its feet. Move, I won't take, bring it to its feet.
Good afternoon. This is Tracy. And, uh, yes, we have actually made it back to the airwaves. I want to say a real quick thank you to all our listeners that have um, been so supportive of me, um, telling me you miss me, and more importantly, sending get well wishes. Um, as you know, I just had the second surgery on the arm, and uh, so I'm just, you know, bouncing back, and I thought it was the perfect time to jump in and um, just start start doing the show again because we miss it as much as you guys do. And um, our guest today, I, I just can't tell you um, what an amazing woman um, I happen to think she is. And um, I, I also think that uh, you know sometimes you can you can measure when a person is doing something right. When you have the NRA haters coming out of the woodwork, ever since I announced um, this guest, but we have Shannon Watts uh, from Monster Man Action, and uh, we're going to talk more about that. But I want to go. I don't want to waste her time. I want to go ahead and bring Shannon on. Good afternoon, Shannon. How are you? Hi there. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to be speaking to you. We've we've been emailing and private messaging back and forth about getting you on the show, and it's finally here. <laughs> I'm really glad. <laughs> um, you were, you know, you were a busy woman during the election and uh, yeah. inaugural sadness events, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nothing happy about that day. But no, that um, is very true. Yeah, it's, um, you know, definitely, um, you know, I want to get your take on, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, what um, what you're seeing happening now, with, you know, within, um, especially, you know, within the gun safety, gun sense, gun control, a lot of people use different um you know, ways to describe it, but, um, you know, what are you seeing happening right now with now that he's been in office two weeks? Well, you know, the, the National Rifle Association was the largest outside donor to Donald Trump's campaign, and they're going to in, expect a return on investment. And we mm-hmm. have seen them already working to collect that. Uh, I think a good example was the fact that the chief lobbyist for the NRA, Wayne LaPierre, was sitting next to Donald Trump yesterday during a strategy session about the confirmation God. process for the new Supreme Court justice. Um, so you had a, you know, a, a multimillionaire gun lobbyist sitting next to the president. That's not really draining the swamp. Uh, and then you had yesterday Sean Spicer imply during a presser that uh, the president was working on an executive order to overturn gun-free school zones in America, which would allow guns in K-12 schools. And then uh, today, the House is expected to vote uh, to try and overturn the new Social Security Administration rule that was established by the Obama administration, which basically just says that if you are severely mentally ill, uh, your information should go into the NIC system because you are a prohibited buyer 
of guns, and uh, the NRA wants to immediately overturn that regulation. So I would say <laughs> they are definitely um, <clears throat> omnipresent. Definitely. Um, I, I, I did a little research, as I always tend to do, and um, you know, I, I really would like to get your input um, and, and just have a discussion about this. So uh, one of the big statistics that's always stuck out to me, and I, I mean, I know it's gone up since 2013, but that was the only stats I could find that were, I'll just read um, this real quick. From 2004 to 2013, the CDC, Center for Control and Prevention, and the State Department reported there were 313 American deaths by terrorism compared to 316,545 American deaths by gun. That's a thousand to one ratio uh, of right. gun to terror death, where the, the numbers, you know, outrange 30,000 plus gun deaths per year, um, you know, versus. Just, just to round down 31 terror deaths. So, you know, why on earth are we spending more time, energy, and money on preventing an extremely rare occurrence in terrorism uh, than we would on a rather regular occurrence in gun violence? And how do you feel we best, um, you know, we how how do we best plans here, I guess, after that trend and and numbers? Well, you know, I think some of it is psychological. Um, in, in many ways, we've become numb in America to this, this problem, which is actually a crisis. And mm-hmm. uh, so therefore, you know, psychologically, terrorism seems more imminent, more threatening, more likely. And yet, 33,000 Americans are shot and killed every year, hundreds of thousands more mm-hmm. injured. And every single day, more than 90 Americans are killed. So this is an ever-present danger in our country. And it's also a danger that can be addressed. You know, when we look at the states, so just to step back for a second so your listeners understand, background checks are required on licensed gun sales in this country. So if you go to Walmart, you have to have a background check. But if you buy a gun online or you buy a gun at a, a gun show, you do not have to have a background check because those are private sales. So millions of guns are sold without a background check every year in this country. And which in the right. states that have done what Congress won't do, which is to close that loophole, you see gun violence reduce significantly. In fact, it's almost cut in half across the board when you look at suicides and domestic homicides and civilian shootings of police and uh, gun trafficking and mass shootings. All of these things are cut almost in half when you put laws in place that require a very simple procedure, which is already in effect through license sales, which is a background check. So we know laws work, um, but the, the other thing we have that's much different than other developed nations is that we have a gun lobby. And we've talked a little bit already about right. the NRA, but you know their whole goal is to loosen laws, to undo laws, to make it as easy as possible for someone to have a gun, no questions asked. And, uh, you know, that is is what has led to the fact that you are 25 times more likely to be shot and killed in America than any other developed nation. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, 
I guess I'll just jump kind of to this question. How is it, you know, because we've discussed this on the show and, you know, most of our listeners are progressive and, and they uh, are, are definitely, you know, with both you and I on, on, you know, this topic. But just, just for everybody at home, like how, how would you, you know, how do you explain to them, you know, or explain to people who are more anti uh, what we're trying to do when, um, you know, we see these statistics all the time coming in uh, from crime in, in comparable countries like the U.S. And, um, and they're so low. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we know we know why, but I I would like to hear from you. But you know, why why do you think we have such a hard time, you know, not being able to match these statistics? Um, you know, every country in Europe and Japan, you know, so many places have uh, the numbers are just insane compared to ours. As far as well, I've had this, these circular discussions with lawmakers for four years now, and you know the answer to that question is always the Second Amendment, right? So, the the right. idea that we have a Second Amendment, which was established, you know, long before the um, the evolution of uh, gun technology in this country, and the idea that that somehow still applies. Uh, Verboten to 2017, and also, you know, the fact that they do talk about a well-regulated militia, but that that tends to be all overlooked because the gun lobby in the NRA specifically has, for 30 years, um, held this talking point of any kind of regulation of the Second Amendment is an attempt to take away your rights, and uh, you know that's completely a misnomer. It's false. Uh, you know, our organization, for example. We do not uh, support a ban of guns. We support the Second Amendment. Many of our members are married to gun owners or they are gun owners. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea that the Second Amendment and responsibility can't go hand in hand is something that has been sold to the American public for decades. And our organization is only four years old. Um, We really are the first grassroots movement in the space. Uh, that is financed and can go toe-to-toe with the NRA, and we have, and we we have beaten them quite a bit in the states and with companies. Um, But, you know, there is no good answer to why don't we take care of this problem and and why do we have such a a high rate of gun violence compared to other nations um, if you are on the other side. You, You have to say, it's almost like climate change, where the science is in. Now, you can say you don't support uh, what the science dictates, but you can't argue whether the science is, is true or not. And the same is with gun violence. The data is in. We know what is causing our problem. We know how to solve it. Um, but our lawmakers who are beholden to the gun lobby will not allow us to do it. It's, it's all about the money when it comes down to it, isn't it, sometimes? Yes. Or the you know the support that you get from an organization of that size. Um, yeah, I mean they they have a budget. The NRA has an annual budget of three hundred and fifty million dollars that went up a hundred million dollars uh, after Sandy Hook because they were able to leverage that tragedy to sell guns. And 
you know, they also have television stations and magazines and radio programs and all of those kinds of things uh, that they need to sustain themselves. But, you know, we just need enough money to fight them. We need enough money right. to, uh, to do ballot initiatives at the state level and to create this grassroots army um, that can show up in state houses where, you know, before it was just an NRA lobbyist testifying for dangerous bills. And, and now we have an army of moms and women who show up and say, nope, not in my community. And that has made all the difference. Absolutely. I mean, you guys have made a huge difference, just, you know, like you said, in, in, in four years. Um, and, you know, I would dare say, I mean, I I would say you guys are the um, largest group of your type. Would, would that be a correct assumption? We are. You know, we, uh, we've we only been around, as I mentioned, just over four years. I started Moms to Man Action the day after the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, and then we became the grassroots arm of Every Town for Gun Safety. And together we have more than 3 million supporters. Uh, the NRA has been around for decades, and they only have five. So we are catching up rapidly. And we have tens of thousands of active volunteers that we can turn out um, very easily to make calls, to send emails, to show up at meetings. Uh, you know, we're having a lobby day in Arkansas today. Uh, our first ever lobby day in Arkansas, and we met with the governor, um, who has not necessarily been on our side on this issue. But, you know, that is where we, we start to chip away and make a difference is when lawmakers see us show up and they know that women are the majority of the voting public. So what we care about matters to them. And it, it is all about showing up and being vocal and being vigilant and using your voice to say, you know, this is not acceptable and, and this is a danger to me and to my family. And, and, you know, and the beautiful thing is, you know, you don't have to have a background in lobbying or whatever. I mean, it's, it's it, with you guys, it's like, it's boots on the ground. Um, you know, because I try to help as much as I can in Missouri and, you know, it's a it's a very pretty you know easy but yet complex system. How you guys are able to literally within a couple of days just kind of like get the troops to where we need to be, and um, I, I think it's amazing work that what you guys do. And um, you already kind of touched on that, but um, I guess kind of something I wanted to ask is. You know, what happens now after the, the post-women's march and how's Moms Demand Action is ready and already are already moving on the ground in their local communities? You mentioned Arkansas. Yep. Yeah, we, you know, we were very involved in the Women's March because gun violence is a women's issue, and a lot of times we don't mm. think of it that way as a country. Uh, you know, the, the majority of mass shooting victims are women. The majority of mass shootings actually involve domestic, domestic violence and occur in private residences, so not, as the NRA would have you believe, so-called gun-free zones. Um, women are 16 times more likely to be shot and killed than women in other developed nations. And, you know, domestic violence uh, is a huge issue in this country because we arm abusers so easily. 
So that was a, a major reason why we participated in the march. We had hundreds of volunteers alone in D.C., but thousands across the country at all the sister marches. And right. we're taking that momentum forward now and making sure that gun violence as a women's issue remains a priority with this Congress um, and that we are educating people about why this issue is important to women. And, you know, I, I think the, the Women's March was an important moment in time, but it means nothing if we don't channel that energy into movements. And so, yeah. you know, I would encourage anyone who's passionate about any issue, this is the issue I'm passionate about, but there's so much to get involved in that already exists on the ground. And if you can show up and be at a march, then you can join your local chop- chapter of Moms Demand Action in your state, and you can show up at a, at a meeting at the state house for lobby day, or you can show up at a, a house party. Uh, for Moms to Man Action, or you can, you know, I, I spent my morning making calls uh, to my members of Congress about Betsy DeVos. You know, it, sometimes it's just as simple as making a phone call. Right. And, you know, I I don't think a lot of people realize on our show, we, a couple weeks ago, we, we had a real big, um, is it was you know kind of right before all the um, ACA mess was going on and how they were wanting to mess with it and um, we really got we got so many people just by you know continuously tweeting out we need you to call this is what we need you to do and um, you know from what I've heard what I heard we you know which I think he just takes it off the hook. But um, people were having a hard time getting through to Ryan because so many people were calling. And um, and that definitely, you know, little, it may seem like a little step to those people, but it's a huge step. Well, I mean, if you uh, look at just the way that uh, Collins and Murkowski voted on DeVos, they both said it was because they received tens of thousands of phone calls. Um, but, but pertaining to gun violence, you know, I remember when uh, in April after the shooting at Sandy Hook, you know, we were urging Congress to vote to close the background check loophole on private gun sales. And Heidi Heitkamp, who is a Democrat in North Dakota, she's a senator, senator there, she uh-huh. said she voted um, against closing the background check loophole because she received so many calls from the other side. And, you know, we were only – four months in the making at that point and didn't have the same kind of calling and turnout power that we do now. But, you know, that, that was, that was really a wake up call because these calls do matter, whether you think they do or not, whether you think your one phone call matters when it's added to tens of thousands of other calls, it does matter. And uh, I, I hope what the Trump election does is to make everyone feel like their vote matters, like their voice matters and that, uh, being silent is being complicit. Yeah, you know it's 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 like the uh, organization ACT UP when they when 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 you know, that was beautiful grassroots grassroots movement. I can't talk today. Um, they you know when the um, AIDS epidemic came out and you know their logo was silence equals death and that and it's so true you know I mean sitting on your hands is not 
is, is not doing what it needs to be done. Um, you know, you don't have to go out to all these marches. You you may be a shy person, but you can make phone calls. I mean, just um, and I yeah, for people that are at home too, I want to tell you that you can be even if you're not a mom, you can be involved. I call myself aunt in action. <laughs> um, That's right. Yes. We, you know, yeah, it's, it's much mean, like mothers against drunk driving. You don't have to be a mom or a woman. Right. Um, I, my favorite know, thing is to see men show up in moms to men action shirts. It's the best. Absolutely. It's that's definitely a beautiful thing. Um, so, um, anything we need to be aware of, that, like at the state legislative level, that you know, well, our well, guns in schools, you, you know, or? is a major issue right now. Um, in addition to uh, what we think are going to be Donald Trump's executive orders, uh, we know that Congress, you know is thinking about trying to overturn uh, Gun Free Schools Act via legislation. And then we have five states right now, uh, including Missouri, that are trying to put guns in K-12 schools. Uh, it's something we fight every single year. We defeated the NRA in 14 out of 15 states uh, trying to put guns in schools last year. And, uh, you know, that is a, a major issue for us, not just guns in K-12 schools, but also guns on campus. Um, right. You know, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that the NRA actually opposed guns in schools uh, in 1999 is when they changed that position. They, they testified and then started to realize that they were selling more guns to fewer people. And in order to protect the profit margins of gun manufacturers, they needed to open up the uh, – the customer base for guns. And one way to do that is to make guns everywhere and sort of inoculate people to guns. Uh, And so that is why we see them trying now to put guns on campus and put guns in K through 12 schools uh, and sell guns to women. All of these things are are basically a marketing ploy. They are not a public service announcement in any way. They're just an attempt to sell guns. Help with the bottom line is, you know, yep. um, what I've always said about the NRA. I mean, I've I've never supported them, and I mean, I have a pretty staunch stance. I mean, I you know, Second Amendment is in there. Yeah, I I believe that um, it should be upheld, but I also believe when that amendment was made, I mean, <laughs> yeah. They didn't take into account that we were going to have machine guns and these, you know, crazy things available to harm people with. And it, it was more of a, okay, this is to help us hunt, help us get food, um, you know, fight some wars. But I, you know, it, it just, it just didn't mean what it means today. Um, well, you know, and again, not- I would point out that the, the vast majority of NRA members uh, are responsible gun owners. In fact, uh, a Republican right. pollster right. found that 74% of all NRA members support laws like background checks. You know, what we're seeing is the radicalization of the leadership of the NRA. They have been right. pulled so far right 
almost like the Tea Party pulled Congress to the right. Um, other gun groups, other uh, gun lobbying organizations have pulled the NRA so far to the right. I mean, at one, just in the last couple of years, you know, the NRA went from saying open carry was downright weird to supporting it. Um, and that is because they keep getting pulled further and further to the right. And it's that extremism that we oppose, that we do not believe is in keeping with, you know, the, the Second Amendment or with the responsibilities that go along with the Second Amendment. You're so right. Um, you know, what I, – I know that you guys have lots of different, um, you know, organizational efforts, you know, happening right now. And I'm going to be asking you throughout the interview until, it's, until we're done. And, you know, tell us about – um, the Be Smart campaign and the yeah. um, educators organizing that effort. Yeah, so when we talk about the responsibilities that go along with gun rights, um, something that's very strange in this country is that we do not often hold gun owners responsible or accountable for safely storing their firearms. Um, and, you know, you were talking about terrorism statistics, more <laughs> toddlers. Uh, kill Americans in a month than uh, are killed by terrorists here in this mm. country. So that is a, a bizarre and unique American problem. Um, and it's because uh, there is the, the NRA, I mean, if you look at their uh, responsible storage protocol, it is not what we would consider responsible storage. We believe guns should be locked, unloaded, and stored separately from the, the ammunition. And that is you know, particularly when there are children around. More than 2 million American children live in households where guns are not responsibly stored. And in 1.7 million of those households, that means those guns are unlocked and loaded and easily accessible. And, you know, this is a, a problem in many ways. One, children are shooting themselves and other children. Uh, two, uh, they are taking these guns and committing crimes, particularly school shootings. Uh, and three, they're committing suicide with these guns. So uh, the, the other bizarre part of this is that only 28 states have any kind of law requiring adults to responsibly store their firearms. So, it, it, and even these laws are incredibly lax, right? So if you were to leave your loaded gun on your dresser uh, and a, a child got a hold of it and injured themselves or someone else, or someone else um, that might be a $400 fine, right? As opposed to uh, actually being charged with criminal activity. So these are laws that we are working to strengthen. Um, believe it or not, Florida has the strongest uh, what we call child access prevention laws in the country. And the, uh, I would the not incidences, have that. I would not have either, but, but it has definitely impacted uh, what we call, we never call them accidental shootings. We always say unintentional because an accident implies you've done everything you can to prevent something and it happened anyway. Right. These are unintentional shootings because you did not do everything you possibly could. You didn't want it to happen, but you didn't prevent it from happening. So we, are, you, we see much fewer and a, a big decrease in unintentional shootings in Florida since they passed stronger laws. Um, and so back to our Be Smart program, what we do is go around the country, our chapters, uh, and they go into homes and they go into PTA meetings and they go into churches and they have discussions about what is responsible storage. Uh, we're fortunate to have Melissa Joan Hart partner with us on this program. She's actually a Republican who was very impacted by Sandy Hook because she lives in Connecticut. 
And uh, it's really as simple as saying, regardless of whether you're a gun owner or not, this, these are questions you need to ask when your kids go on a play date or when they go to a relative's home. And it's all about how do you store your gun? Do you have guns? How do you store them? And deciding, you know, whether you feel like the answer um, is safe enough for your for your children. And we've done more than 500 presentations so far just since starting this program less than two years ago. That's amazing. Um, you guys just do so much, and I'm in awe of what, what all. <laughs> Just you know, being—I mean, from you know, from someone who, um, you know, talks about it, of course, on the show, but you know, who also gets involved. I'm just, you know, blown away with um, the organization, um, the organiza- organizational skills, and you know, we've got people. We actually have international listeners, and you know, we get people asking us, you know, that are international listeners to you know why is this such a big you know issue and you know i can't imagine what it looks like from from their side you know some are like i'm scared to come to america and parts of me want to go yeah i would be too you know um but um so well, we talked about the Be Smart campaign, and, um, you know, I guess sometimes I felt as though the program lobby has had the upper hand in the marketing branding war, as they've often, you know, successfully persuaded, like we were talking about, you know, many, um, the, uh, you know, many that uh, believe in gun control, if you will, and, you know, in it includes the taking of firearms from law-abiding citizens. It's, you know, kind of how they scare people. You know, Obama was going to take everybody's guns, and, well, guess what? That didn't happen. And, um, and and you had mentioned, too, you know, like that old adage of guns don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> um, you know, what specifically do you feel we can do to help reverse that trend? and finally gain the upper hand in this debate because it feels like we are definitely making, um, you know, some tremendous ground, but I, I know a lot needs to be done still. Yeah. I mean, when I talk to people, you know, I think they have, they have bought into the gun lobby's talking points, you know, there's no chance and the sort of the train has left the station. We know that's not true. Um, you know, in this last election where we saw significant losses among Democrats, uh, guns actually was a winning issue. We won three out of four ballot initiatives to pass background checks and to uh, also um, require something called emergency risk protection orders around guns. And so we were very successful in our ballot initiatives. Um, and we are actually getting ready to pass background checks right now in the state of New Mexico, which uh, will be the 20th state to pass background checks, and more than 50% of America will live in states that have done what Congress hasn't. Um, so, you know, that we are winning legislatively uh, in the states, and then we are also passing important new policies uh, in corporate boardrooms. We've gotten companies like Starbucks and Chipotle and Target and others to say no open carry inside our stores. 
Um, Mm -hmm. So all of this is about building momentum. It's actually very similar to marriage equality. Uh, If you recall, marriage equality activists went to Congress and said, you know, we want equality. And what they got in return was DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. (laughs) And they sort of said, okay, well, that's not what we wanted. And they pivoted and went to the states and companies and built this groundswell of momentum. And, And we're doing the same thing. Now, I will tell you, it would have been nice if Hillary Clinton had become president because thanks to moms on the ground, she made this a part of her policy platform. You know, she was going to not only uh, stop the NRA in its tracks, but she was going to move forward with common sense gun laws. We'll get there again eventually. Um, But for right now at a federal level, we are playing defense and it's incredibly important. You know, just because you may not pass something new, uh, there's a lot of danger in allowing things to be passed that are bad. That or, or to yeah. undo already existing laws. So we have learned over the last four years to be David to the NRA's Goliath. We beat them a lot. And, uh, you know, that's why you heard from so many <laughs> trolls about me being on the program. You know, if we weren't winning, uh, we wouldn't be so uh, hated by exactly. gun extremists. And so it is incredibly important that everyone listening uh, goes to momsdemandaction.org or texts us join the word join to six four four three three and by doing that we will contact you and get you uh, involved in the chapter in the state where you live and tell you different ways that you can get active on this issue because just like we see americans playing defense right now on uh, obamacare we have to do the same exact thing on guns definitely and you know um I guess the you know a big community that you've had alluded to marriage equality. I mean, I'm a big part, you know, a big part of me is a member of the LGBTQ, you know, community, and we're finding ourselves playing defense too. Um, you know, because it's like, well, he says he's not going to do anything, but then his actions are saying. Otherwise, and I mean, we're just we're having to get really, um, you know, in and just in touch with what's going on, and be ready on a moment's notice. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people are finding themselves having to do. Um, you know, and I think a beautiful thing that's happening, and I've said this a bunch on the show, is that. You know, there are a lot of minorities that maybe would not have worked together. But in the last year or so, you have seen, like, this groundswell of, you know, minority groups come together, kind of making this huge majority group. And I think it's really on the rise now. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think that... Organizing is something incredibly important. When it comes to gun violence prevention, it impacts all different uh, organizing mm-hmm. groups. For example, you know, after the shooting in Orlando at a, a gay nightclub, we saw right. so many LGBTQ activists come together. You know, I'm the mom of a, of a daughter who is gay in college. And so, you know, that really impacted me in particular uh, and my daughter, Emma, was with me at parades and different things around the country after that shooting to bring attention to the fact that we have to make sure we're not arming people who are hateful. 
and we make it so easy for people uh, in this country to get guns, even if they've had a criminal record or they're dangerously mentally ill. And by arming them, we make this hate deadly. So I, I feel like gun violence prevention intersects with so many different activist groups in this country. And uh, we're finally seeing that all build. And, you know, if there is a silver lining to the Trump election uh, and to the, to the Trump presidency, I think it's that we see people realizing they need to mobilize, regardless of their political party, that when you make a lot of noise, uh, when you take action, when you show up, it matters in a democracy. And I think for far too long, you know, people were silent. 90 million people didn't vote. (laughs) So hopefully people are going to see in the next four years how incredibly important it is to use that privilege. And you're exactly right. It it is a privilege that uh, people fought and die for. Um, and you know, you were talking about Orlando. I mean, it, it it just completely rocked my world. I mean, any any time something like that happens, but the fact now that somebody just came into a gay nightclub just because we're gay. Um, it was really tough for me. I had, it, it took a while for me to bounce back from that one. And, um, you know, it, I mean, Americans are dying because of hate. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it's been past time for all of us to demand Congress take action to prevent gun violence in America. And, um how is mom in demand specifically going about battling hate crimes? Well, I think it, you know, it, it, it goes back to our fundamental effort, which is to pass background checks in many ways. Mm-hmm. When you pass background checks, you see these kinds of crimes decrease. And far too often we make it easy for someone with a dangerous criminal record or with uh, mental illness to go online and buy a gun or to buy a gun at a gun show with absolutely no background check. I mean, I think the Charleston loophole is, is Mm. egregious in this country. And for those who don't know, um, in the, in the shooting in Charleston where nine worshipers were shot and killed while praying uh, by a white supremacist, uh, that man was not supposed to be able to buy a gun, but in this country, there is a law, and again, this was, a, this was um, a part of the law that the NRA fought for. It basically says if someone gets a, a background check through a licensed gun sale, if that background check doesn't clear within three days, the seller can go ahead and sell the gun. And in this case, the reason it was taking three days was because it was very complicated, and you know, this guy did have a background check that prohibited him from buying a gun, but he got it anyway, and it was the gun he used to kill these black Americans because he was a racist. Um, And so, you know, just closing some of these loopholes and tightening up the laws, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, yes, federal law prohibits domestic abusers from having guns, but they define a domestic abuser incredibly narrowly, basically your spouse or your ex-spouse. Most people who are shot in domestic violence situations are now being shot by dating partners because of the change in demographics and the age of mm-hmm. marrying. So uh, they, they also don't include stalkers. And so we're having to go into states 
and we're tightening these laws and we're saying, okay, we should broaden the definition of what a domestic abuser is and now we have to go in and t change the laws so that we make sure uh, a domestic abuser, their guns that they, they have are removed and that they're prohibited from buying guns in the future. Again, something the NRA has fought against forever. Um, it, it's, it's complicated and it's nuanced, but it is the difference between life and death, and that's why it's so incredibly important. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I'm sitting here, I'm like, what, can, what else can I say to that? I mean, you, um, <laughs> you know, you've, you've put it out there beautifully. Um, we still have a little time, and I saved some of these questions, you know, in case, um, you know, in case we had questions at the end, because um, I always like uh, asking people in the leadership positions like yourself, um, you know, <laughs> you know, what would you say is the, who would you say I should say is the one nominee on Trump's cabinet who really scares you the most? Well, you know, right now, I would say anyone who is listening, I implore you to call your member of Congress, your senator, about uh, Betsy about uh, Betsy DeVos. Um, I think it's concerning that she has said she thinks guns in schools is fine, and that if Donald Trump wanted that, she would concur. Uh, that is something that uh, very few parents and police and faculty um, and even students agree with, and so. To put guns in K through 12 schools is incredibly dangerous, and the fact that she supports that um, mm -hmm. really automatically makes her a, a non-starter. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, as far as far as you know, the go, um, you know that. I mean, what you know. I, I try so hard to put myself in on the other side and, and try to like see okay, what were they thinking when they said this and um and I just can't find an answer, you know, for I mean what what does she really hope to accomplish with guns in schools? Well, I mean I just think it's a it's become such a polarized issue that it's it's almost like if you are part of the Trump administration that you are going to support the NRA's endgame. And, again, that is in part because the NRA was the largest outside donor to Donald Trump. Um, they mm -hmm. literally have a seat at the table, as we saw yesterday, and they right. are going to push their agenda. And I don't think there are many people that Donald Trump would – approve of or choose uh, if they went against that dogma. So, you know, it's not surprising to see, um, but it's also incredibly dangerous and frightening and not where we wanted this country to go. Yeah. Another question along the same lines. <laughs> we could be here um, all day for this one, but just, just a few points. Um, what scares you the most out of a Trump, a Trump presidency? 
Well, obviously the fact that the the NRA has such a big part of is going to play such a big role in his administration, and uh, you know we had hoped that the election of Hillary Clinton would begin be the beginning of the end for NRA lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they've been sort of empowered, and you know I I think there are a lot of uh, truly dangerous laws that they. Uh, want to pass and get accomplished, and that includes something called concealed carry reciprocity, um, which basically mm-hmm. says the lowest common denominator to get a gun license would apply to the entire country. So one of the easiest places to get a gun is in Virginia. You just go online. It's, it takes very little to get a gun. Um, and, in fact, there are some cases where you can have misdemeanors or different uh, things in your background and still get a gun. Oh, now, then God. that person – would be able to take their gun any, into any state uh, that has worked very hard to have strong gun laws, states like California and Massachusetts and New York. So if you get your gun in Virginia, you would then be allowed to just take it into Times Square. And uh, that's something that concerns a lot of lawmakers and police, um, and it's something the NRA has had written and waiting on the shelf for a long time until they got the right uh, president in place to, to help them usher that through. Um, we expect that will be something that we'll have to play defense on. But, you know, there are a lot of different things they can do on a federal level. Uh, we know they're going to continue their state work. But, um, you know, I think the, the biggest danger is just that they have been empowered instead of being drained of their power. And it will right. require us to really be vigilant and be on defense for the next maybe four years. You're exactly right. And, you know, what really scares me is that he just keeps making these executive actions. <laughs> like, nobody, we're not being, you know, you're not seeing it discussed on the floor of the House. And um, it frightens me that he's, you know, that he's getting away with it. You know, you know, he's probably what I think last count had had done ten executive actions already. Well, there are more um, coming, but you know, I mean, this is exactly oh, what they criticized definitely. President Obama for, and uh, apparently that's become the new rule of law, which is to just sign an executive order. Um, you know, these are these executive orders can be overturned. I mean, we're we're seeing right, Trump right. attempt to overturn things that Obama did. They're not laws. Uh, so they're easier to overturn and, and maybe mean less, um, but the intent is still there. And, uh, you know, we will, we will see what comes out about guns, but uh, I would expect that we will see something. Um, and, and, again, Sean Spicer implied that yesterday at a presser. Yeah, talking about somebody that scares me. <laughs> that guy. Um You know, whenever I stumble across, you know, a gun rights debate, um, I seem to always come across, you know, at least that one person who attempts to rebuke a pro-gun control individual with, you know, well, what about Chicago? That's proof laws don't work. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you have to say? I mean, I know what I say, and it can be very sarcastic, but, you know, what what do you have to say to people who uh, make such an argument? 
Well, I get that tweet about a dozen times a day. It's the Groundhog's Day of tweets. Um, and, you know, the reality is that, yes, Illinois has pretty good gun laws, not the best. They have pretty good gun laws. But as someone who lived in Indianapolis for many years, um, I can tell you that parts of Chicago are literally across the st street from Indiana. And each state's gun laws, each city's gun laws, are only as strong and as effective as the neighboring city and state, right? So guns cross state lines as easily as cars do. And so if you live in, in, in Chicago, all you have to do is get in a truck and drive across the state line, which, again, is only a matter of minutes, uh, load up uh, your truck at a gun show, and go right back and, and sell those guns uh, to, to criminals or prohibited purchasers or dangerous people. And that's what happens all the time in Chicago. So if you look at the origin of the majority of crime guns in the city of Chicago, they are coming from Indiana. And that is because the governor of Indiana, now the vice president, uh, was the NRA's best friend. He was the keynote speaker oh, yeah. at every annual meeting, and he passed incredibly uh, dangerous laws that, that enabled dangerous people to get guns. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a state where we see actually the, the gun violence increase in Indiana is off the charts every year. It tops the year before. Um, and, and that is the, a byproduct of those laws. And so much of the situation that has been created in Chicago is because of gun trafficking. And it's easy to look at Chicago and pretend it's an island, but it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I have one more question, and then I want to give you a couple of minutes to um, share again as far as what they can do to, to help you, where they can find you, the, you know, um, the, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. But, um, this, you know, this is just one of those kind of out there questions that, you know, if there is one piece of gun legislation legislation you'd like to see passed, what would it be and why? Uh, well, I mean, you know, that's what we've been talking about for the last hour. I really would like, uh, we would really like for Congress to close the loophole that allows mm -hmm. the private sale of guns with no background check. You know, we have it on license sales. There's no reason to close it on private sales. We should, right. but there's no reason not to. And uh, they're not doing it just because, you know, the gun lobby wants to make it as easy to put guns in the hands of anyone, anywhere, anytime, no questions asked. Um, right. You know, I, I think that it, it's very ironic that lawmakers who call themselves pro-life do not believe that closing the background check is part of that uh, platform or agenda. So uh, you know, that is so when we look at the states, yeah, when we look at the states that have done what Congress hasn't, which is to close the background check loophole, we see gun violence significantly reduced, almost cut in half. Um, and again, that's shooting of police and uh, shootings by domestic abusers and mass shootings. Um, and so we know that these laws work. And, and really, again, we talked about how silence is complicity. Um, that by not passing these laws that we know will save lives, we are allowing 33,000 Americans to be shot and killed every single year. My goodness. Those are disgusting numbers. 
Well, we're getting close to the end of the hour, and I wanted to make sure. Um, well, first, thank you so much for coming on. This has been absolutely really enlightening. I feel like we could we could talk about a subject daily and still not get to everything <laughs> that needs to be done. Um, you know, know that our show is here for you guys, and we have a pretty good crowd that listens and. Um, and they're the type of people who would be inclined to, you know, help you guys. And so for our listeners, would you give, you know, uh, give the like the text number and the uh, yep. website address again and, um, you know, how they can help financially and where where they can follow you? Um, I would yep. appreciate that. Yep, if you that. go to org. Uh, you can donate and you can join, and you can read more about who we are and what we do and what we believe. Um, we have a Twitter handle, which is at Moms Demand, and uh, my Twitter handle is at Shannon R. Watts. And you can also text the word join, J-O-I-N, to 64433. And someone will reach out to you where you live and uh, tell you how you can get involved. And you don't have to be a mom. Do not have to be a mom. I, I, I have the, uh, you know, we have some step-down levels, and um, I'm going to start ant demand action. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if, you, if, if you're someone who gives a damn about what's happening to the you know, kids, especially, um, you need to be a part of this group. And, um they they definitely need our help and um you know and they're just uh if you're looking for a group to donate to uh, this is it this this is it and uh i've i've donated before and definitely plan on doing doing some more again and um shannon thank you so much thank for you coming on i'm so glad this finally worked out um because we we've talked so much about you know you coming on and we finally got it worked out. So yeah, well thank um, you for having me. Yeah, and um, take care. Let us know if there is anything um, you need us to do. Um, you know, get word out about something. Just shoot me an email anytime. And um, you know, it, it's it's like I tell a lot of groups we're involved with. You know. We're your free advertisement, and um, you know we we are healthy. You know, just happy to help. Um, so, thank you again for coming on. Great, thank you. All right, thanks, Shannon. Bye. And that was Shannon Watts from Moms Demand Action. Uh, such an exciting group of women um involved with that group and i i really um I encourage you all to get to know them um you know even if it's five bucks i mean send them five bucks because i mean they're they're having to go up against money grubbers like you know n r a and um I've been getting a lot of hate messages 
from people who were mad I wouldn't take the calls, but I had already decided that I wasn't taking calls today because um, we had already gotten stupid hate mail towards Shannon or towards me, and um, I just wasn't going to entertain it. You know, I don't want to give them a platform at all, and Shannon has way too much to talk about than spending her time trying to, I I mean, you can't fix stupid, and, um, you know, I I just wasn't going to use our time like that, and so uh, that is that. Um, So I hope you'll tune in tomorrow. Uh, Craig and I We'll be back together again. Um, and again, I, I appreciate you guys so much uh, being there for me through um, all of these surgeries and everything else that has occurred. It, it has been uh, it has been tough, but you know, you guys have really um, lifted me up, and I, I really appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Um, so until tomorrow, our show is uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that would make it 3 Central, 2 Mountain, 1 Pacific. <laughs> so I think I got that right. God only knows. Yeah, 4 Eastern, 3 Central, 2, 1. Okay, yeah, it's right. Um Anyway, you take care. Um, Let us hear from you, and we'll talk soon. Peace. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.